Welcome to the Misconduct Podcast where I discuss uh, performance and conduct and I go through the cases on the Fair Work Commission's website and I discuss them in a little bit more detail and give some practical takeaways for any HR managers or businesses. So the matter I want to talk about today is a matter that came up in the Commission. Uh, It was a 40-year-old crew supervisor. He'd been working for a company for two and a half years. A complaint was made to his line manager, who was the project manager. Um, And based on the content of that complaint, He was terminated without any notice and without any explanation. So when it came into the commission, the project manager was asked to give evidence and he gave some evidence that the crew supervisor who he terminated had a history of poor conduct. And by that history, he indicated things like problems with authority, belittling others, not being a team player and a failure to follow directions. But when he was pushed by the commission to give some evidence of this, he had no evidence to give. So what exactly happened? So it's alleged that another employee put in a complaint about the crew supervisor to the project manager who, after looking at the complaint, decided he needed some advice that it seemed pretty serious. So he went to the National Operations Manager, who then on assessment made the decision to immediately dismiss the crew supervisor for gross misconduct. And he gave him no explanation and no opportunity to respond. So what were these complaints? The complaints that were made appear to be things like the crew supervisor calling a subordinate peanut and writing that on his hat, placing a metal pole down an employee's underwear, having his crew collect cans and bottles, which the crew supervisor then recycled and then gave the money to his daughter, and disrespect for management. And the evidence for this was refusing to shake the national operations um, manager's hand on at least one occasion. So... What exactly was the terminated employee's response? The crew supervisor basically made admissions in the commission to calling an employee peanut, um, but said that the employee had never complained, so he thought that it was actually okay. He also admitted to putting a metal pole down an employee's underwear and basically said that was poor judgment He did admit to using the work crew to collect cans and bottles for him so that he could recycle them and give money to his daughter. And he did admit to refusing to shake the National Operations Manager's hand on at least one occasion. What he did say was that he had been spoken to about issues in the past, but he didn't deem that as very serious because he had never been warned. So what is the Commission looking for when it considers these cases? I will go through the list and then have a little chat about um, some of the points. So the first one is, was there a valid reason? 
In this case, it does appear that there was a valid reason for dismissal um, and that it wasn't trivial or minor. They also look at, was the employee notified of the valid reason? In this case, the employee was not notified of the valid reason. The third thing they look at is, was the employee given a chance to respond? And this all goes to procedural fairness and um, that there may have been a reasonable exp explanation. In this case, the employee was not given a chance to respond, so there was no opportunity for him to give any kind of explanation. The fourth thing they look at is if when the employer meets with the employee uh, who they intend to terminate, whether they permit a support person to be present. In this case, it was an immediate dismissal, so there was no opportunity for the terminated employee to have a support person. But if this were a case where they were seeking to meet with the person, have a discussion, and let them know why they wanted to terminate them and give them a chance to respond, they would technically have to give them an opportunity to have a support person present, and uh, they're not actually permitted to deny that. The next reason would be, a next, another consideration would be whether the employee was warned prior to the dismissal. This all goes to prior conduct and a history of conduct. So as you may recall earlier in the episode, the um, project manager did say there was a history of poor conduct, but he was not able to back that up with evidence. And in his response, you'll note that the employee did say that he had been spoken to about certain matters, but he didn't deem them very serious because he had never been warned. So at minimum, the suggestion is that if something is enough to raise with an employee and it is of concern, that you give consideration to whether a warning should be issued and to keep that on the file in the case that there would be a dismissal in the future. The next few points are quite interesting. So the next point is, what relationship is there between the size of the company and its ability to have a HR policy? So what they're looking at is, given the size of the company, should there be policies and procedures that are in place? If we have, say, three people in the company, then maybe we don't have formalised processes and policies because... Uh, perhaps it's not warranted. However, if you have 250 employees or 2,000 employees, then it would be expected at that level to have some HR policies and procedures and to have some methods under which employees understand the behaviour that is expected of them. The next point and in this matter, they, they didn't actually have any um, defined processes or procedures. The next point is, what relationship is there between a lack of HR function and any lack of process? So this company didn't have a HR specialist or advisor, uh, and they simply used their line managers to perform those basic HR functions those line managers would have been and were limited 
in their ability to understand and put in place reasonable action. This was something that was taken into account by the Commission, but it's not necessarily something that they're going to provide leniency on. They did note in this case it did contribute somewhat to the fact that this person was dismissed without being given any notice, any reason or any opportunity to respond. The other considerations that they may make are things like um, the fact that in this case the employee was terminated and paid absolutely nothing. And the Commission also looked at the actual reason for the termination, the offence, and decided whether it was serious enough to ordinarily warrant immediate termination, i.e. being walked off site. In this case, they decided that what had happened was not actually serious enough for immediate termination. And the reason for that was probably that these complaints were about things that had happened in the past and things that continued to happen. And yes, they're unacceptable behaviour, but were they posing an absolute immediate work health and safety risk or um, an immediate risk to reputation or something like that? And probably they were not. So why, if he admitted that he was wrong, did he make a claim for unfair dismissal? The reason is that under the unfair dismissal laws, they look at whether the dismissal was harsh, unjust and unreasonable. In this case, they did decide that it was harsh because he had not been given any notice and given no opportunity to respond although they found that it was actually a fair and valid um, dismissal in and of itself. It was just the way the company went about terminating the employee that didn't um, comply with the laws. So now we come to the remedy. So when the Commission is looking at how what the remedy should be for uh, any particular judgment, they're generally looking at two things. The first would be uh, an order to reinstate the employee and the second would be compensation. Now that compensation is generally only for um, loss of income as such and they do have some rules and variables that they use to calculate that. In this case, he did get an order for compensation reason is that the commissioner found that there was a irretrievable breakdown in the relationship between the employee and the employer and that it was just not justified or reasonable to put this person back into the workplace. So what are my takeaways from this matter? I guess the first thing that arises for me is when you're recruiting somebody, um, you really do have to look at their skills and experience. You also have to look at the way that they fit into the team, um, the culture of the company and the values. Now, when you're looking at small companies, uh, it is even more important that each person in that company uh, actually fits into the whole and that's because people are working closely together 
and small issues tend to become big issues. So the first takeaway for me is uh, around the probation period. When you're putting someone on and you do have a probation period, you make a really valid and considered assessment at about the four month mark. And if the person is not fitting into the culture of the company, they're not acting within the values um, and you don't think that they're suitable, then at that point you should be you know, starting to think about whether you, um, you don't extend them past the probation period and you let them go. And it is a fine balance between, you know, a bit of churn going through people um, and also finding the right person who's going to be the right fit. Because in this case, it sounds like there were some issues. And from what I gather, these issues probably started quite early. Um, and to me, they just sort of spell out that there was a lack of uh, communication in this company. The second takeaway for me in this matter is um, around culture. And it's something that I have seen quite a lot throughout my career, that there are certain um, sectors, you might say, where there is a definite culture. There's things like um, mechanics and you know hospitality and other sorts of places, um, carpentry, tools and trades. A lot of those areas, they do have a definite workplace culture. It can be um, at times a little bit sexist, it can be racist, it can be very relaxed, there can be a lot of swearing there can be just some cultures that are not um, helpful or useful and it can be, um, you know, a girl's circle or a boy's club or whatever. So if you do find that you have a culture like that that is starting to build in your company or you think that it could develop, it is really important that you have some kind of expectations around values and that you clearly outline what is acceptable and what is not. And even to the point where you might have to talk about some things that you would just think are common, um, common sense and common knowledge and common courtesy. But it is really important just to point those out. And the earlier you can do this, the better. Um, and the more you follow up on these things and keep an eye on them, the um, less likely it will be that there will be a breakdown um, in the culture. And for me, this case actually kind of seems to suggest that where he's got a disrespect for management. My question is why does he have a disrespect for management and what made him think it was okay to, you know, put metal poles down employees' underwear and get crew to collect cans and bottles for him. It was, um, you know, obviously a case of him just doing whatever he felt like doing. So my third takeaway is really about um, discipline. And it can be hard um, for some people in particular because they feel that this is a conflict situation. And Everybody deals with conflict in a particular way and some people try to avoid conflict for various reasons. 
But what I've found in my career is that avoiding conflict is kind of asking for trouble. In this case, there had been some clear historical issues. Um, and although the employee was aware of it, they had never been warned. When it got to court, there was no evidence that was able to be kept. And, you know, it's even more important if you don't have a HR policy or procedure that you uh, just do that basic 101 of taking notes, keeping notes, um, you know, writing a little memory note after you have a conversation with someone and then even just following up in an email or a letter or something like that to say, hey, this is what we discussed. And keep in mind that when you are talking to employees, what I always suggest is that you um, try to do it in a positive way. And I don't mean that in a fake way at all. I generally think that coming to somebody very early and saying, hey, there's a small error or issue with your behavior. I'd like to just correct this small thing so that it doesn't turn into a big thing um, because it is much harder to correct when they go way off course. So in this case, as an example, if he had been disrespectful um, to management or if he'd been you know, overheard saying certain things, he could have been picked up on that and the issues around that could have been addressed at the time. If it was warranted, he could have received some kind of um, warning. And the warning would generally be something like, um, it, is, it was observed that you, um, you know, when you met such and such, you said words to the effect of X, Y, Z. This is not in line with our, you know, respectful respectful behavior in the workplace, you know, values or policy or, you know, um, ethics. And we would ask that in future you maintain a professional attitude at all times. And then that gives him an expectation of what is expected of him. And, you know, at, there are times where when you put those boundaries in place, people will just... Um, they will work to those boundaries. So people who don't like those boundaries, they will tend to move on. Other employees may buck against those boundaries. Um, but again, it's about saying, look, you know, fall in line because that's what this company is all about. Um, or else, you know, you're not going to find yourself with a job in the future if you can't adhere to the, you know, company values, basically. My last takeaway is basically uh, put your money where your mouth is. If you've got something to say, if you're not happy with something, then go to the employee, have a really open and honest and transparent discussion with them as much as you can and say, look, I'm not liking this when this happens. Um, you know, either change the way you're doing things or else, you know, we're going to have to reevaluate your employment. In this case, what I'm talking about is that final conversation. So when the project manager received that complaint and it was of concern and he spoke to the national operations manager and they made a decision to terminate, what they should have done um, in retrospect is to 
you know, go to the uh, crew supervisor and say, listen, you know, we've got some concerns. A complaint has been made that you have done these certain things. I'd like to have a chat with you. I suggest you go home now and we'd like to meet with you on Wednesday or whatever. You can bring a support person with you if you like, but we will be talking about, you know, your employment and what we expect of you. And then give him an opportunity. And at that time he may actually say, well, what is it all about? Or, um, you know, he, he may make some admissions and go, yeah, I, you know, did these things, but it's only because of this, this and this. So then on the Wednesday or whatever, when he comes back in, um, I think you can put in front of him, you know, the list of things and they should just be, you know, very simple, very clear, very direct. You did this, you did this, you did this. What do you say to that? He says, no, I did none of it. Or yeah, I did that, but I didn't think that was an issue. Um, and then you should spend a period of time and I don't like to make it the same meeting where you would terminate someone because you should give honest consideration to what they've said. So typically I would say, you know, we'll have an answer for you tomorrow. We're going to sit down and think about this. Um, and then probably I would notify them the next day, ask them to come in again, notify them, look, you know, unfortunately we can't continue on with your employment. We think that this is very serious. We can't have someone like you working in our company. Um, we consider this gross misconduct and therefore, you know, we've worked out what your leave pay is or anything that's owing to you. Here you go and thank you very much. And then just escort him off the premises. So my final comments, my wrap up is basically even when an employee has done the wrong thing um, and you are completely justified in terminating them, um, you still have to ensure that you follow all of the fair work principles and that you do not terminate people in a harsh way. In this case, um, the person was terminated harshly because they were not given any reason, they were not given any opportunity to respond and they were not even given any money to compensate for those things um, at the time of termination. These are some really simple things that the um, employer could have done if they would have known and if they would have had some basic knowledge of um, the Fair Work Act and HR principles. And I encourage you to reach out. There is a lot of information around. And um, just to make sure that if you do unfortunately need to terminate someone, that you adhere to those um, principles where it's not harsh, it's not unjust, and it's not unreasonable.